0: Many of you have asked for a, a clear explanation of uh, uh, cessationism, that is the idea that the sign gifts have ceased. Uh, there, I posted it this week. Uh, there was an article by Thomas Schreiner. Uh, I have it printed out, about 15, 20 copies of it. If you'd like a copy of this, you ought to come get it. Otherwise, it's uh, posted on the internet. You can see it. It's uh, it's very clear and good. I think it's something that all of you should read. Um, it'll it'll give you a good idea of where our position is on this issue, especially in light of today, right? We're doing a miracle. So <laughs> uh, we need to understand all the context and understand exactly how this applies to us. <clears throat> We have asked a specific question from this pulpit hundreds of times before. Why do we do what we do? Why do we do what we do? What is the motivation behind our activity? These questions are meant to help us examine our hearts and intentions. The question should be asked often by all of us. It applies to why do I go to work, why do I get married, why do I stay single, why do I do a particular ministry, why do I watch a particular show, why do I do what I do. Always our motives should be to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the simple, clear answer. We must do what we do for the glory of the triune God. I know, you've heard it. It's the Sunday school answer, right? We do everything for the glory of God. But we need to understand and apply this, not just know the answer in our head. We must do all things, whether eat or drink, for the glory of God, for the exaltation of Jesus Christ. Now, as we have made our way through Acts, I have tried to be careful to apply the book carefully. There are some direct applications for us, and then there are some less direct applications for us. I am not going to heal any of you. I'm not going to lay my hands on you and cast out demons. But the primary application for the book of Acts will be the same, and that is this. And this is what the early followers were all about. We must do everything for the exaltation of Jesus Christ. That's what they were doing. All that they did was to exalt the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every miracle, every act of kindness, everything they did was to exalt Jesus. In our passage today, we might miss this point if we're not careful. But the main passage of the passage is not, hey, look at Paul and John, they're doing miracles. Or the main passage is not, look, God healed a man who was lame. That's actually not the main point. The main point is the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even the miracle was not the main point of the scene. Even though we're focusing on this today, it's actually all about an introduction to next week's message, starting in verse 11. The entire week, I kept asking myself, as I thought through this passage, why was this man still there after 40 years lame and begging? If you look over to Acts chapter 4, you see that he was 40 years old, over 40 years old. I mean, it appears most of the people in the temple area knew this man, correct? This man was at a gate where Peter and John knew of and used. The man appears to know of Jesus and had an awareness of him previously. The lame man knew this. The question for me was, why didn't Jesus heal this guy beforehand? Now, you know how we've talked about almost all of the diseases in the area had been healed. I mean, he was going through healing everybody. They would bring people that were lame to him, and he would heal them. Why didn't Jesus heal them earlier? Jesus had been to that area. Jesus had been to the Temple Mount numerous times. And this man knew of Jesus because we'll see that he has a faith. We'll see this more next week. A faith in him. Why didn't he heal him earlier? Now I know I'm thinking in the white places of the Bible here. But it's a a theological concept. A doctrine that must be understood by all of us. (laughs) God did the miracle when it would maximize the gospel of Jesus Christ. God does things... When it will exalt him the most. And in this case, he picked the exact time, which is the moment that Peter and John walk in after the resurrection and after Pentecost. To simplify things, the Lord does what he does when he wants to do it. And God does it to maximize the glory for himself. Do you all understand that? This is very important. So we must see and recognize the great truth of God's work. God is working in our lives through trials and blessings in order to exalt himself through us. God is working to exalt Jesus, not primarily us, and that is very important. This, my dear friends, is the primary reason I am convinced that the false teachers... And the false teaching of name it and claim it or word of faith ministries are not doing biblical miracles. The biblical miracles, quote, or the miracles, quote, unquote, that they do exalt the men, not Jesus. The biblical events surrounding miracles during the time of Jesus and the apostles were all done to exalt the gospel of Jesus Christ to call people from sin into a Savior, to embrace and enjoy Him. Today's Word of Faith movement, the so-called ministry, is all about exalting those false teachers. Today we're going to see Peter and John make it very clear that everything, even this miracle that they did, was about exalting Jesus, not themselves. Even when the people ran to them to exalt them, they're like, wait, you're missing it. Let me correct you. It's about Jesus, the one that you killed. What? It's about your sin. It's about Jesus coming to die. Boy, isn't that different? I'll never forget the Benny Hinn thing that I went to. We want to see Jesus. We want the Spirit to come. We want healings today. Missed the whole point. It's not about that. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lost people coming to know Jesus and depend on Him and put to death sin in their lives and trust Him and enjoy Him even in hard times. That's what it's about. Today we see one of the first examples of the many signs and wonders that the apostles did during the early days of the church. We see that this demonstration was clearly a supernatural miracle. We see that it was, in fact, the power and authority of Jesus Christ that accomplished the miracle. And again, I I want you to get this. When Jesus died and rose from the dead, He went and ascended to heaven and took His role Of rulership. And you'll see as we go along, it was Jesus working to perform this miracle. This is very important. You'll see it as we go along. He's the sovereign that's working. The king was speaking and declaring, This man is healed. Even though they said, Arise and walk, it was Jesus and it was for his exaltation. That's the point of the miracle. He was working. In Acts 2, we saw that the church was different from the world, didn't we? People who were being saved were selfless servants of one another. They had even the same mind. They had things in common. They literally thought similar. And they sold all that they had. They were sharing with one another. Totally different from this world, didn't we see that? We saw the apostles were actually doing signs and wonders. Remember in Acts 2 43, it says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, a fear of God, literally. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Now, today, we see in our passage the first recorded example of one of these signs and wonders. Our passage breaks down into three sections simply the setting, the miracle, and the results. The setting, the miracle, and the results. So today we see the exaltation of Jesus Christ through the miracle of a healing, through the the miracle of healing the lame man. This should exhort all of us to view every event in our life as an opportunity to exalt Jesus. How about that for an application? Do you get that? That's so important. That is universal for all of us. No, I might not heal someone, but I can still exalt Jesus as I deal with the trial of watching my son go through an aneurysm. Every event is an opportunity to exalt the Lord. And he's using you every spot you're in, even your workplace, where it seems monotonous or drudgery at times. That's your opportunity to exalt the Lord Jesus just like he was through this lame man being healed. Make that application. That's what it's about. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what Peter and John do. Notice in the setting, we start. Now Peter and John were going to the temple at the ninth hour in the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used used to set down every day at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful in order to beg for alms of those who were entering the temple when he saw peter and john about to go into the temple he began asking to receive alms notice first in the setting we have some characters the first of the character being the first of the characters being peter and john These two apostles were close friends and fellow workers in the gospel. And in many ways, they were the leaders of the other apostles. They were previously with Jesus pretty much always when Jesus was there. Even in the times when the other twelve weren't included, they were with Jesus. These two knew the betrayer before the others. These two were on the Mount of Transfiguration and saw the glory of Jesus. These two were in the tomb, or at the tomb, first among the apostles on Resurrection Sunday, realizing Jesus had risen from the dead. These two were in the inner circle of Jesus' disciples. These two were all about serving others now. Now these two men revealed their close association with the all-powerful Lord Jesus in this miracle, didn't they? You see how closely they were tied to him. The difference in their demeanor is obvious. They are bold and courageous and they speak with the authority of their commander in chief, the Lord Jesus. They were his representatives. They spoke for Jesus and acted for Jesus as we will see. Again, I think all of us can learn a little bit from this and think on this a little bit. Maybe we're not apostles, but we do represent our Lord. The way we speak represents Him. What we say, what we do, how we think, how we interact with people. We are ambassadors. And if you have His name, act like you know His name. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to be like these men. They've represented Christ boldly, courageously, unashamed of the gospel that's what we all need to do right the next char- character in the setting is a man born lame i said as i said this was a very sad man he had lived a life of humiliation he had begged for most of his life he had been lame and unable to walk for his entire life i don't even think we can even come close to comprehending how horrible that would be when other little toddlers began to walk this man could not get up because he was born lame so he spent his entire life raising money for the household by begging for alms he was more than 40 years old as i mentioned in 422 it states that and 421 peter will talk about this later when they had threatened them further they let them go finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people because they were all glorifying god for what had happened For the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Ladies and gentlemen, he had never walked once. He had been carried and laid at the gate to beg for money. In the Jewish culture, this man would have been considered under the curse of God. Something must have happened. He must have had some major sin in his life or maybe even his parents had sinned. That's why he was lame in their mind. He was a hum- he was he lived a life of humiliation and shame. This was the life of a beggar. Next we see in the setting the circumstances. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful in order to beg for alms of those who were entering the temple. A beggar Outside the gate called beautiful. There's irony here. Here's a man that's shameful. A man that has nothing that they would consider beautiful. Standing by the greatest of the temple gates. The most rich of all the gates. It was the beautiful gate. Most likely this was the gate called Nicanor. N-I-C-A-N-O-R. The reason I believe it was this gate is... Because it was especially beautiful. It was covered with bronze. It was a, The whole thing was one giant bronze gate. During the apostles' day, it was known as the most costly and beautiful of gates. This man had probably laid there day after day for years begging, please give me a little bit, just a little bit of money. But notice also the circumstances in verse 1. The two apostles were going to the temple to pray at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which is three o'clock in the afternoon. I think it's important for us to note that while the law of Moses had been fulfilled in Christ, the discipline of praying three times a day remained a part of these men's lives. It's interesting, isn't it? They probably saw this as both a time to pray... But also an opportunity to witness to those Jews that came together. Let's go to the temple. It's three o'clock. There's a lot of people here. Let's worship the king as he deserves King or worship. And at the same time, we can be a testimony to those that are gathering and saying they follow this God. It's an interesting thought. There's a great principle here for us to consider. No, we're not given a, a rule to pray three times a day. But our love for the Lord and our love for people will motivate us to discipline ourselves to seek the Lord often. We will look for opportunities to pray. We will look for opportunities to share the praises of our heart to our King around others. That's what they're doing. We will seek Him both in our prayer time and in our evangelism all the time. That's what people who know the king do. We don't do it to get favor from our king. We do it because we are thankful for our king. And we know he's the hope. Notice finally in the circumstances we see the beggar petitioning the apostles in verse 3. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. This man needed money. He would starve if people did not help him. He had no shame. He begged for money with no worry what others thought of him. Maybe. But as we'll see in a second, I might I, I I tend to believe that he might have even been ashamed of what he did. We'll see it in a second. So he pleaded with Peter and John as they approached the entrance to the temple. By the way, there's a little, a little side note here. Look, it's okay to ask for help, ladies and gentlemen. It's okay. But just remember that when you ask for help, it's about your motive of your heart in asking for help even. If you're asking for help because you think people owe you something, you've missed it. If you're asking for help humbly, then you might have the right answer. If you're asking for help because you're not willing to work, then there's a problem. Would you not agree? If you won't ask for help because you think you're too good to ask for help, there's a problem. Again, what have we said so many times? Why do we do what we do? Hopefully it's the gospel is the motivation for what we do and all we do. So this man pleads with Peter and John as they approach the entrance of the temple. So the setting for the miracle is revealed here. Now let's move on to the miracle itself. In verse 4, Peter... But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, it's literally arise and walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. Let's make some observations about this miracle. First, I want you to notice the benevolent call or response to the petition of the man. In verse 4 it says, But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. Peter and John took note of the man's condition. And then Peter called the man to look at them. Maybe the man was prone to just beg and avoid looking at the people in the eyes because of the shame of his condition. Boy, I can see that, can't you? If you just put yourself there in his mind for a second. How many of you, you don't want to look up? Maybe you take a glance real quick so they know that you are asking them. But you don't stare at them, unlike... Some of the guys that are walking down the middle of the row, <laughs> begging for money, at the getting car, they'll stare you all the way through, won't they? Until they go to the next car, and then their eyes are completely on them. I'm not judging them here. I will tell you this. Third world begging is a lot different than begging in America. The third world begging... I was there in Myanmar when the, lady, the little girl that was about 13 years old had nubs for fingers and could barely beg for anything, came up and asked for a little bit of money. That's different than guys that have yellow vests on that look pretty healthy need to go out and get a job. This guy was lame. This guy couldn't walk. That's a, that's a guy in trouble. This guy was desperate. He was humiliated by his condition and could not look up. And so they say, get get your attention on us. Look at us. Look at us. Notice next, the unsuspecting look. The unsuspecting look. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. You say, the unsuspecting look. You say, "Why, why did you... Why would you title it that? It's an expecting lick. He was expecting something. Well, he did not ha- suspect what they were really going to give them. His thought and his mind was on just a little bit of money. Low expectations for sure, right? Yes, I do believe this man had at least a measure of faith. We know this because of Acts 2.16. In Acts 2.16... It appears Peter talking to him says, And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man. Whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. We see here that the man had a little bit of an understanding at least of Jesus. And it appears that he trusted to a degree in him somehow miraculously, God had given him this. At the same time, we understand beyond a shadow of a doubt his expectations of even these two apostles was very little. He just wanted a little bit of money. Maybe he just wanted a little bit of bread. We will see in a little bit the significance of the name of Jesus, but for now, we see at least to some degree this man had faith in his name. Now, did the man have the right expectations... You could argue back and forth. I don't know about you guys. Sometimes we just have needs of eating. We just need a little bit of money. And that's okay. I don't think, though, his main focus at this point was right. I think he had too low of expectations. I don't think so based on Peter's... In other words, I don't think he had high expectations based on Peter's clarifying statement. Notice... The clarifying announcement, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. Peter, in a sense, says, look, it's not, I don't have money. I don't have money, but I have something better. Something a lot better. The man needed healing more than money, didn't he? That's what he needed. Matter of fact, he needed to be satisfied and rejoicing in the Lord. That's probably the primary thing he needed, right? I think often when we look at these miracles, we think to ourselves, Oh, man, this guy was lame. He needed new legs. No, he needed to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. God knew that his legs were a part of it. And he wanted God, wanted him to leap for joy and praise the king. Isn't that glorious, folks? And that's what he does. God saw his heart and knew he was broken, knew that he was hurting. And God used this moment to make this man a Christ-exalting worshiper. We see next that the Christ-exalting command is given. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, arise and walk. Oh, folks, listen to me closely. This is not a magic formula. It was a command that included the power and authority to make obedience possible. It's very important. You know, there is two commands most likely here. Arise and walk. Two commands. He tells them, arise and walk. First thing that comes to the mind of a person that's lame when they hear arise and walk is what? I can't. Do you see me? How do I do that? But that's what in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene is all about. See, for the name of Jesus Christ represents the person and work of Jesus Christ who has the authority and the sovereign ability to heal you and make it possible for you to obey the command to arise and walk. Wow, that's a wild thought. Think about that. Taking in the name of Jesus onto a prayer request, or tacking it on there, rather, does not magically fix your prayers. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I didn't say in Jesus' name. Oh, no. My prayer will not be answered. That's not what it's about. It's not a magic formula. By the way, when you use the name of Jesus as a magical formula like that, you're susceptible To a big, big fall. How about Acts 19, verses 11 to 17? We'll get to it eventually. The Jewish exorcists tried to use the name of Jesus to accomplish an exorcism. And they got beat up. And they fled naked and wounded. Be careful, ladies and gentlemen. I adjure you in the name of Jesus. The Jesus that... Paul talks about. Well, I know about Paul. And I know about Jesus. But who are you? Ladies and gentlemen, it's not about tacking on the name of Jesus to get what we want. It's not what it's about. The name of Jesus was referring to who Jesus is and what he was doing. The name of Jesus is his person and his work and his authority. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene is saying in the person and work and authority of Jesus Christ the Nazarene who is ruling and reigning. That's what it means. Arise and walk. Peter was relying on what Jesus wanted done. And he was just saying what Jesus wanted said. What he would supernaturally make happen. That's what Christ was doing. He was ruling and reigning. Peter was saying, the Lord Jesus commands you, in a sense, to arise and walk. Because of who he is and what he has done and what he is doing, this miracle is possible. Get up. The impossible is possible because of what Christ did and because of who Christ is and what Christ is doing. That's what, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene is about. It's almost Comical to a degree when you think the Nazarene. (laughs) Again, the Nazarene? What good can come from Nazareth? Is what Nathaniel said. Well, I know something good that came from Nazareth. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he's ruling and reigning in heaven right now. And when he authoritatively, sovereignly works, even supernaturally to heal somebody, they get up and walk. He is glorious. He deserves our worship. I think it's so important to understand biblical miracles were not people meeting another person who had a supernatural ability to heal as much as hurting people meeting the supernatural Christ through his apostles and prophets. I want to say that again. I want you to get that clearly. Biblical miracles were not People meeting another person who had supernatural abilities to heal as much as hurting people meeting the supernatural Christ through his apostles and prophets. Get online and watch a little bit of Benny Hinn. You know who Benny Hinn, what he looks like? You know the white suit guy? Who gets credit? Benny does. He says, no, this is Jesus. Oh, come on. There isn't an exaltation of Christ in that. Just a little bit of Christianese at the beginning just to get everybody fired up. But it's all about Benny. He's a false teacher. Run. Run. Biblical miracles were supernatural acts of Jesus on earth accomplished through his specially chosen people. This lame man encountered the power and authority of Jesus Christ. That's who they encountered. The apostles were abiding in Jesus and Jesus was accomplishing his work through them. Now there are some implications for us here as well. No, no. I don't believe Jesus is still doing these kind of miracles like the ones in Acts 3 today. That way, specifically. But yes, Jesus is still working today through his followers. Praise the Lamb. I saw this quote last night. One of you posted it from Paul Tripp. The most important encounter in ministry is not the person's encounter with us, but his encounter with Christ. That's biblical counseling. Do you understand what that means as Paul it's, it's It's right on target. See, as biblical counselors, and when we admonish one another, and all of us should be admonishing one another with gentleness and kindness through the word, when we do this, what are we saying? Meet Jesus. Enjoy Christ. He's the one that can save you. He's the one that can sanctify you. He's the one who will glorify you. Meet Christ. Enjoy Him. Turn from that sin, for Christ is better. And He still meets us today. Praise the Lamb. In some ways we do even greater miracles. Now again, I'm, I'm, I'm changing the definition of a miracle just for a second. And that is when we proclaim the glory of the gospel and hey, God uses the gospel to change a heart, that is an amazing miracle. People meet God. Do you understand? People that can't know God, can't understand Him, can't seek Him, can't enjoy Him, are opposed to Him, hate Him, have no fear of God in their eyes. Romans 3, 10-19. Meet the all-living, all-satisfying, all-good God. We do that. Because we proclaim the Lamb, and the Lamb works in their hearts through the Spirit. Glory, God. Isn't it? This is so important, folks. Miracles were accomplished because Jesus Christ was working through the apostles and prophets to supernaturally reveal himself to these hurting people. It ultimately was about affirming that the apostles were the representatives for Christ and the exaltation of Jesus. That's what it's about. This is similar to ministry today. Our ministry to people today is not meant to be a great display of our glory and authority and special abilities Oh, so many of us are good Bible thumpers. We can. I was listening to my kids play Bible trivia the other day, and I was thinking, man, the questions they're answering, I couldn't answer when I was 21. Having a whole bunch of head knowledge is not what it's about. It's not about winning a Bible trivia contest. It's about exalting the Lamb. Proclaiming Jesus Christ and them meeting Christ and being satisfied with Him. Even the gifts of God given to us, every one of them is an instrument of the Spirit of God being played by our Lord to reveal Himself to the world. Do you understand? You are an instrument of God being played by the Spirit to exalt Jesus Christ. If you have a spiritual gift, glory to God. Why is he giving you these spiritual gifts? To exalt the lamb. Not to exalt you. Oh, so many times. How many times have I heard people brag about their spiritual gift? Shame on you. Shame on you. For you make it about you. Which is not what it's about. Oh, Man, I know I got the gift of teaching. <laughs> you sure don't have the gift of humility. <laughs> Put your hand over your mouth. He will not let you use that gift until you're about exalting the Lamb, not yourself. Get out of the way. Oh, again, I tell you this, folks. We got we got tons of people in this place that can teach. Tons of people. Praise God. That's good. I think he's bringing you here to get you ready for later. Sorry, a lot of you, you just need to wait. Really? That's hard to hear, isn't it? Listen to me. Until you exalt the Lamb instead of yourself, you might not be ready yet. You got it. And if you're up there, even in a gift, I'm telling you, these these for my rapper friends, I love you out there. It's the only thing I. That's the only thing that makes me a little bit uneasy about some of the rap I see, even Christian circles. It does sometimes come off to me as self exalting. That's just me, I'm sorry. sure does come off that way sometimes. We need to do everything we can to get out of the way and exalt Christ. And any rap or spoken word or anything you do that exalts you misses it. And by the way, that goes for any other kind of ministry you do. Any ministry. Man, I changed 15 diapers today in the nursery. (laughs) Good for you. Yeah, it was hard work. Did it real fast, too. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's about exalting the Lamb, not yourself. Get out of the way. Again, I've never seen so called ministry done this way perfectly, but by God's grace, I've seen ministry by direction, people working. Serving the king and exalting him. That's what they're doing here. They were ready to do miracles, weren't they? Why? Because they knew the cross. (laughs) They knew the resurrection. (laughs) They saw their Savior die. They saw him wash their feet. They were ready for miracles. They were ready to do miracles. Because why? Because they knew even if they ever did a miracle, it was only going to be by the sovereign grace of God. We must get out of the way. Notice also the compassionate touch. Seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up. Peter's touch encouraged the man to his feet. This is glorious, isn't it? The man's head... His faith was so weak, he knew that it was possible, but he needed help. It's an interesting thing. I think there's this compassionate side of him. And Jesus had done this, hadn't he? He'd often touch those that he healed. I just love Peter here. You just see the total transformation of Peter and John, right? Guys that before had said, like John, Oh, you want me to call down fire on their heads? Take them out? Now, reaching down to pick up lame men and help them to walk in faith and enjoy the goodness of God. Oh, folks, we may not be able to heal people like the Bible and these biblical miracles, but we can sure show this kind of compassion. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it in the last couple weeks. Many of you have been just so gracious and kind. Arms of Christ have been all over this. So thankful for our church. Thankful for Grace Bible. I'm thankful for this church. I know our music sometimes. We sing some old hymns, and I like them, personally. And if you don't, you'll get used to them. (laughs) Because they ain't changing. Sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, it's about the love of God and the love of people for one another. It's the compassionate touch. It's the helping people out when they're hurting. It's the putting your arm around them and crying with them when they're hurting. You know, I, I I marvel at who God brings to our church. You come here, you're probably struggling with something. When you show up, you if you're not struggling, you might lose your job. That was the old saying we used to have here. Come to Grace Bible and lose your job. Why? I think it's about teaching people to depend on the all-satisfying Savior. And learning to love one another in, in hardships and trials. This is what you got with Peter. You just see a different man. Don't you? It goes from an arrogant, proud, self-absorbed man that says, you're not going to the cross to here, get up. Here, grab my hand. And then we see, finally, the supernatural healing. In this glorious look, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. Oh, and every doctor in the room said, "Amen." Boy, I wish we had this kind of ability, right? When the Sovereign Lord would immediately strengthen an ankle. Again, one of the distinguishing features of biblical miracles are they are immediate. <laughs> Let me tell you something, folks. As much as I would love to say that my son's miracle, or my son's miracle, my son's healing was a miracle. It was a super, super, supernatural, providential care of God. Like I said, one thing's for sure, that was a long, long 12 hours waiting to find out whether or not He was going to talk and walk. You think that wasn't easy? That was hard. Watching them pump my son's lungs while he was under. That guy, man, you know how many times i wanted to grab that little thing here. Let me be more consistent. You're not pumping well enough. wasn't an immediate thing. We didn't see the immediate answers. It took time for him to go through that. But when Jesus heals through these apostles, immediately the ankles are strengthened. And you know, I, I marvel at this over and over when I think of the biblical miracles because, folks, you've got a guy that's never walked before. There's other things that had to happen inside the brain. There was no physical therapy. There was no, okay, let me train this guy on how to reach. Okay, look, you put your heel down and you kind of roll your heel. And then when you jump, be careful. Be careful when you jump because, you know, you might jump too and you, you got to make sure you land right. This guy is jumping leaping and walking and everywhere he goes immediately. That's a biblical miracle. Don't see those from Benny Hinn. Promise. What Benny Hinn does is he has all the ones that are in wheelchairs sit in the middle and they don't talk to him the whole night. If they do, they go over and they have somebody stand there with them and pray with them and say, well, maybe your faith just isn't good enough. Shame on them. Oh, shame on them. And they bring people that don't have a visible sickness. Oh, I've been having a headache lately. Garbage. May God have mercy on that man. If he does not repent, there's a hot place in hell for him. Do you hear that? I mean, it's hot. I shudder to think what that man's gonna face. I pray, I pray. If you're watching this, you better repent, brother. And you're not a brother, I'm sorry. I'm sure of it. Repent. And anybody else that goes to that? Oh, folks, it's an immediate healing. A supernatural healing. A perfect healing. And we see the results. With a leap... He stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them, to the so-called Portico of Solomon, full of amazement. What do we see here, folks? The lame man leaps. He jumps, and he jumps repeatedly. He stood upright and began to walk. That's the first time the man had ever stood. That's wild. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. This is a biblical miracle. Man, I don't know about you, but if I saw one of these... And if that happened to somebody like that, I don't think they'd stopped praising God for a long, long time. You understand? It wouldn't have to be Benny Hinn advertising, come look. It'd be, dude, i got to tell you what happened to me. I, I am dead set serious. I was, look, let's go get the doctor. Look, I didn't walk. I could not walk. I am walking. Because of Jesus, there was no need for physical therapy, and he did not need to learn how to walk. His mind immediately told his feet what to do perfectly. And the heel man worshipped, didn't he? Praising God mentioned both in 8 and 9 and clinging to Peter, probably a reference to a continual showing of affection towards the representatives of Jesus. And the people even recognized and marveled. This miracle made waves throughout the Temple Mount. People knew this man's condition. Obviously, over the years, many of them had ver- uh, various points given a little money to the guy. They knew him. And they were taking note of him as being one who used to sit there at the beautiful gate. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And literally, it says in verse 11 that they rushed, they ran together. To them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. Oh, folks, you can see this. This is not, this is nothing like I've ever seen. Anybody seen anything like this? I mean, a great crowd of people start running. Oh man, this guy, I know he was lame. They run to Peter and John. And unlike the word of faith people. They didn't have to do an offering at that moment. Give to our ministry. No, because they weren't about silver and gold. They were about the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Notice that these men, when they ran together, Beloved, this is what it's all about. What do they do when it comes together? What do they do? They say, listen to me have a message for you. Look at the message. We'll do this next week, but look at the message. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people men of Israel, "Why are you amazed at this? Why do you gaze at us as if we if by our own power or piety we had made him walk?" Can't wait to talk to you about that verse next week. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified a servant, Jesus. Oh, it's all about Jesus. The one whom you delivered over and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you asked for a murderer to be granted to you, but put put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in His name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through Him has given Him this perfect health in the presence of all. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that His Christ would suffer... He has thus fulfilled, therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from the ancient times. Moses said the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren to him shall give heed to everything he says to you Oh folks do you see this What was it It was an opportunity to give the gospel See I'm affirmed I did a miracle I am speaking authoritatively for the representative of Jesus. And here's the message. Repent and believe in Jesus. Where is all the discussion about how he did it? (laughs) And all the little details. Yeah, I remember. I was walking along and I saw him asking for some alms and I did this. And, you know, I I, kind of... Lifted him up because he didn't believe really. And you know, and then it was just like, wow, powerful. And I slayed him in the spirit. Ugh. Garbage. Garbage. Jesus Christ. You rejected. He died because of you. Trust in him. God, You are good, and You are gracious, and You are kind, and Your Word is good, and You have shown us a glimpse of Your Son. Thank You, Father, for working in us. Use us. Play this instrument. Use us for Your glory that Christ may be exalted forever and ever. Oh, God, we pray. We pray that you will use us, whatever circumstance we're in, to proclaim your Son. God, when we start to doubt, when we start to feel weak, when we start to worry, God, help us to run back to the glorious truth of the gospel. Help us to be satisfied with Christ. Help us to enjoy Him always. Oh God, help my heart, help our hearts to be satisfied with you always. We're so thankful for Christ. We're thankful for His righteousness and His death, burial, and resurrection. We worship You now. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.